Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Horticulture Week podcast. I'm Rachel Forsyth, Senior Reporter at Fort Week. And this week I'm joined by Jill Groombridge, Business Manager at Plant Heritage. Hi Jill, how are you? Hi, very well, thank you. Good to join you. Yeah, lovely to have you. And um, Plant Heritage was recently at Hampton Court, so you've had a busy week. How was that for you guys? What were you getting up to? Hampton Court was a fantastic week last week. Um, the weather was uh, perfect for the show. Um, and we uh, had our seed shop, um, which is a volunteer-run seed shop, and um, there was lots of interest in seeds. So we hope that we've encouraged many people to try growing something new in their gardens uh, for the next year. Um, and we had some terrific collection holders um, in our plant heritage zone. Uh, we had a, the most amazing huge cosmos from the collection holder Jonathan Shepherd. Um, we had uh, a display of Calicanthus, which is a shrub that people don't know too much about. Um, we had Asclepius and Gomphocarpus, again a plant that people aren't necessarily that familiar with. Um, a really interesting educational display on particularly keeping your slugs off uh, your hostas. And a historical display of um, plants raised by Sahilia's Gardens in New Hampshire. Brilliant. And we'll move on to how else you're celebrating that 45th anniversary in a little bit, but you also announced the Brickell Award winner at Hampton. Tell me a bit about this award and, and who did it go to? Uh, the Brickell Award is awarded every year at Hampton Court and it's awarded for excellence in cultivated plant conservation. And it usually means that a collection holder has gone above and beyond to research a plant and is known to be the expert in that plant group. Um, and this year, um, as always, it's the most delightful occasion, I should say. Um, but this year it was awarded to the Saxifraga National Collection holder, who is Adrian Young. Um, he holds two national plant collections of Saxifraga um, in the um, both the Ligulati and the Porphy Porphyrum Subsect Porphyllum uh, section. Gosh, mouthful. Um, those collections, they are a mouthful, yes. So that's why we shorten it to Saxifraga. 
Um, but he holds the, the National Collections uh, held um, in Waterbury Gardens in Oxfordshire. Um, and he's an absolute font of knowledge um, on, on this plant group. And Plant Heritage recently announced its 700th National Plant Collection, which is incredible. What to you are some of the most recent standout collections that have joined? The, the awards are done once a quarter um, and there's usually a group of them awarded in a collection. So we reached the 700th uh, at the beginning of uh, this year. Um, I think it's very difficult to pick out a standout collection um, because every collection is unique, um, individual um, and is usually someone's passion. Um, but if I mention some of the collections that were awarded around the time that we achieved the uh, goal, or not the goal, um, achieving the 700 National Plant Collection uh, moment, um, yeah. there was a fantastic Rambling Rose collection, uh, which is uh, held in a Lackham College in Wiltshire, which shows at a college, um, and they're teaching the students how to um, look after and propagate the roses as part of the National Plant Collection. Oh, brilliant. And there's another rose collection nearby that has worked very closely with them. So they're sort of working together in a collaboration. So that's a really interesting collection. Um, it's a fantastic new Buddleia collection in Gloucestershire, uh, which is a fantastic collection for the butterflies. Um, there's a new fern collection of Asplenium uh, way over in the Isle of Anglesey in um, far, far reaches of Wales. Um, and then there's a uh, Jovi Barber and Semper Vivum collection in Derbyshire, um, which is another completely different plant group. And then we have some um, amazing penstemons, uh, which are uh, flowering sort of now uh, again, with some original cultivars planted in 1994. So that just shows you a few of the range of national plant collections that can get awarded throughout a year. process of adding plants to the collection like do people reach out to you do you go out seeking certain certain things how does it all work to be a successful national collection holder a person has to be passionate about a plant group or have a very invested interest in a plant group because you want a national plant collection to last uh, for a long time to be a living resource uh, for people to access um, to get in touch with to find out more information about plants or to even share plants um, the point being that if you share plants, you're saving plants. If there's one plant in one place and it's the only place it is, it's quite endangered. But if a few places hold a plant, it's safe. Um, they have to be uh, passionate about their plant group. And so sometimes people come to us and they approach us and they think that they're ready. They may have been collecting plants for many years. Um, and then think, well, I've got enough, I feel I'm confident, I really know about uh, the plants that I'm growing and I'm ready to apply to be a national collection holder. And, you know, it's quite an accreditation um, because there is a whole process to being accredited as a national plant collection holder. Um, some people um, hear about us, um, think they'd like to be a national collection holder. Um, they know they've got a plant interest and they'll start the application process very early and we'll give them advice but they may not necessarily get it awarded the status for a couple of years. Um, once you know they've got plants established, um, they've gained more knowledge, uh, more plants, um, and shown that they can uh, grow the plants is a, probably a very key point. Um, and then each collection holder within their collection 
Um, it's their remit to you know, keep adding plants, um, keep researching the, collect the, the plant group that they're a collection holder of. Um, we keep um, very good records of plants. We've got a, a system, a uh, plant recording system uh, called Persephone that you, we can keep uh, uh, pictures of plants, records of plants. Um, you can map where plants are. Um, so that's all, you know, as part of being, uh, the records are very important as part of being a national plant collection. Um, so they will add the plants and if they lose plants, you know, they'd add, we'd hope they'd replace plants. Um, and then if there are, say, three or four or five collections, national plant collections of the same genus, um, they're generally talking to each other, liaising with each other. Because again, if a plant is held safe in, say, three collections in three different areas of the country and you know there's an environmental disaster or a pest and disease in one area then the plant is safe in another area so there's a lot of collaboration that goes on as well yeah which must be so important when you think about climate change and, and bearing that in mind yes uh, climate change is having quite an effect um it's having quite an effect on what what people can grow in certain areas of the country and affecting where plants grow and again that's also a very important in you know having say two or three collections in different parts of the country um, and people you know it's literally changing what they have to grow in specific areas of the country yeah have you lost any collections or is so far that collaboration's working well um i wouldn't couldn't say specifically to like climate change no um but um Inevitably, um, people have to give up collections uh, for various reasons. Um, you know, they maybe um, had them for years and years and years, and it's uh, you know they're no longer able to keep the collection. So, succession planning is incredibly important with collections. Mm. Um, to think what's going to happen to a collection if someone can't continue to look after the collection, because you know we're all about trying to keep those plants in cultivation. So, our conservation team do some amazing work in ensuring uh, succession plans. Uh, working with collection holders to get what succession plans they can in place um, to keep plants safe for the future. You recently launched the Missing Genera campaign. What's that all about? Our Missing Genera campaign, uh, we started, I think it was 2016, um, where we highlight um, 10 or 12 plant groups that we don't have national plant collections for. Um, we have 700 national plant collections, um, mm. but there is actually uh, quite a long list of plants that we don't have national plant collections for. And that's listed on our website under our conservation tab. Um, but we generally, uh, once, once a year, we highlight 10 or 12 plant groups just to generate um, people's thought process. Uh, people might look at a plant group and think, well, I might, I actually grow that plant. I actually really like that plant. I could have a national plant collection of that. And then the, the process starts and we're delighted. And in actual fact, we've had quite a few national plant collections uh, from the scheme. But it does start people thinking uh, the fact that anyone, you know, as long as they know how to grow a plant group, have the space to grow at the right growing conditions and are prepared to put in the commitment, could have a national plant collection. Yeah. And what are those plant groups this year? We went with quite a lot of pollinators this year, um, which is lovely because particularly at Hampton Court, uh, where, where we put the plants on display, uh, the bees and the butterflies were finding the plants and coming in and enjoying them. Um, but uh, we, we've, uh, we had uh, a cactus group this, this year, Astrophyta, which is a small group of cactus, um, one with some amazing spikes on it, I should say. 
Um, uh, we had a colocasia, which is a more tender plant. Um, we don't have a national plant collection of that. And then we had some pollinator-friendly plants. Uh, we went right from um, Campanula to Gara, uh, known as the whirling butterflies. Or Gara is now so um, comes under Oenothara as the plant name. Um, Eridrum. Uh, which some people say self-seeds everywhere. Um, silene is another one. Um, mm -hmm. And then we have a couple of shrubs in there, again, just showing different plant groups. We've got Eliagnus, um, which again, uh, a lot of people don't realize that Eliagnus, when they're established, have some beautiful flowers and attract the pollinators. Um, and also Osmanthus, which is another uh, shrub out there, just showing some different plant groups and different ideas for people. And have you had a good reaction to this? Have, have you had people reaching out to say, oh, I actually grow that plant group? Um, yes, we've had, uh, you get, we get emails and people coming in, but not necessarily always about the exact plants that are on display. Mm -hmm. um, it will spark a thought in them and they'll, they'll sort of think about a different plant group. And we will continue to promote the missing genera yeah. throughout the year just to keep people's interest. Um, and on our website, we have a longer list of missing genera so that if people are interested in a particular plant group like uh, fruits or grasses, um, then we've got a, a, a longer list on the website. And how do you look at what to add? So I'm assuming next year you'll also do another genera campaign. So how do you look to what to add? We generally try to put in a few different plant groups to reach out to mm. uh, as many you know people interested in different plants as possible. Um, trees are a bit more difficult because if we want to take a tree to a show, that's a bit more challenging. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, but we're always interested in tree collections as well. Um, so we, it's generally a mix of plant groups too, and that, that's it in essence, really. As I mentioned earlier, Plant Heritage is celebrating its 45th anniversary this year. So how exactly are you celebrating? What have you guys been up to and what can we expect the rest of the year? Yes, well, we're delighted to be um, celebrating our 45th Sapphire anniversary this year. Um, as I I might have mentioned earlier, we had a fantastic 45th border garden at RHS Hampton uh, Garden Festival, um, planted by, um, it was supported by Squires Garden Centres and planted by the collection holder Daniel Myhill. The first time he's ever planted a border like that at a show. And he mixed up uh, uh, persica roses, dahlias with other pollinator plants, nepetas, salvias, um, a couple of agapanthus in there and it had this beautiful colourful wavy mix of plants and again uh, the pollinators uh, from around the show decided they'd come in and visit the garden so that was really delightful um, and at the show we also highlighted the five decades of the national plant collections um, going right from the 1980s uh, with three of the original collections the 1990s when uh, originally the collections were invited to uh, gardens were invited to become a national plant collection holder and then by the 1990s people could apply to be a collection holder in their own right so a lot of individuals and nurseries so we highlighted the streptocarpus which is an indoor plant from Dibley's to show an indoor plant um, we highlighted the scientific national plant collection holders in the 1990s because the scientific collection holders do a tremendous amount of research in um, like pests and diseases, cultivars, and in lavender, sort of oil production, and that was done by Downdery's Nurseries. And then we highlighted a successful uh, plant from our Missing Genera campaign, which is the Achillea millifolium held by John Cullen Gardens in the 19, uh, sorry, the 
2010s, losing my, losing my uh, decades here. In the 2020s, we highlighted a new collection holder, which is a Rosa Persica by Daniel Myhill. The Rosa Persica have the beautiful open uh, flowers, uh, which again is very accessible to the pollinators. And then in the 27th of September, we're going to have a 45th uh, celebration event at RHS Wisley, um, and our president, Alan Titchmarsh, will be there. Um, and we hope to have lots and lots of displays by uh, national collection holders um, at, on, at the event. Um, and that's open to all our members. Um, and obviously, we'd encourage anyone to join Plant Heritage as well, um, because the more people we have um, supporting plant conservation, the more work we can do. Mm. How have you found getting that? plant conservation message out to the public have they become more receptive to it more aware of it more interested over the years uh, yes i do think um more people are aware of the value of cultivated plants um there's obviously a lot of discussions uh, going on on you know the wild plants and native plants but the cultivated plants are also a large part of our landscape it's what's in a lot of gardens um so it, um, and it is getting more and more uh, recognised. There's an awful lot more chatter out there on the wonderful social media. Um, mm. And we're getting an awful lot more inquiries um, from people um, on, on all aspects. So uh, the conversation, I think, is going onward and upward. And you mentioned Wisley. Plant Heritage moved this year to Wisley. How has that helped its work so far? Or, or how do you hope that it will help your work? Yes, uh, we moved to new offices right at the edge of RHS Garden at Wisley. Um, and it helps our work tremendously uh, because to accredit the National Plant Collections, our conservation team um, work very, very closely with uh, the experts within RHS Wisley. So it allows very easy and good collaboration uh, on a daily basis, really. So what can we expect from plant heritage in the future? How much do you think those national plant collections are going to grow? It might be a bit hard to predict, but um, and what, what are some of your goals moving forward? Our goal is uh, always uh, conserving the diversity of cultivated plants um, within the UK and Ireland. Um, and we would like to see a continual increase in the number of national plant collections, um, whether they're in private gardens, nurseries, um, people's allotments, uh, public gardens. Um, we want to see as many collections as possible because that means that the more plants are conserved and protected and recorded within the National Plant Collection Scheme. The records are obviously very important as well. Um, you can see how important that is, from, particularly from the historical collections, um, because uh, you know people want to research the collections, want to research plants, and those records are kept safe within the collections as well as the plants. Um, the more we produce uh, the National Plant Collections Directory, which is a paper edition of the uh, National Plant Collections, and we have a search button on our website, search the National Plant Collections under conservation at www.plantheritage.org.uk. Um, so the value of having the National Plant Collections also means that the more National Plant Collections you have, the more people you have talking to each other, the more people sharing plants, sharing plant knowledge, and therefore you're saving even more plants. Um, as everyone knows, plants are a very important part of our planet, um, whether they're wild or cultivated. Um, they're all part of the, today's landscape, um, and we see National Plant Collections as a very important part of that in the future. Well, my last question 
question for you is what plant would you take to a desert island and I know you said this is another impossible question to pick a favorite plant but I'm going to force it upon you um again yes um I'm someone who uh Every plant I come across, um, I can find some intrinsic value or beauty in a plant. I think if I was to go to a desert island, I'd probably take a, a eucalyptus tree, a snow gum from Tasmania. If I was on a desert island, it'd, uh, it'd give me shelter. Um, it, I'd love it. Yeah. Um, it uh, would blow in the wind um, and it has some fantastic flowers. Amazing. Brilliant. So not, not impossible after all. <laughs> no, not impossible. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jill, for coming on the podcast. That has been really interesting. Um, and we look forward to seeing what else you guys get up to. Thank you so much. I'm Rachel Forsyth, and this has been the Horticulture Week podcast. Make sure you never miss one. Subscribe or follow Horticulture Week podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or preferred podcast platform. If you are interested in producing a podcast with Horticulture Week, email us at hortweek at haymarket.com. Huge thank you again to Jill and goodbye for now. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.